Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me as always, one day I hope he can raise me up to the podium in a giant sombrero. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. If that day ever comes, Graham, then I'll be very surprised and very unhappy about it. But sure, let's go with it. How oh, are we doing? Hold on, hold on. I'm okay, but let me just break that down for a sec. What do you mean you'd be unhappy? Well, the the, the fact that we have a, a large sombrero between the two of us is very unimpressive. And I, I don't, I'd, I'd have many questions. Okay, that's that part. What about the, what about the rest of us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you, if you could support my uh, my weight, of course. How how how's good your how good your lifting ability? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I have strong knees. Is that what? <laughs> and a strong yeah yeah yeah. It's all it's all about your knees with lifting. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, that's why I got trained anyway. <laughs> Use your knees, not your back. Yeah. Someone's been to the. Excuse me. Someone's been to the gym. No. No. <laughs> Think I'm a gym lad? <laughs> Definitely not. No, no. It's just what I got trained on when doing my job. Oh, safety, right? Safety lifting and all health and that. safety lifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the correct practice. That makes a bit more sense. Yes. Anyway, uh, we are recording this. I like the podium is still ongoing as we yeah, as we're recording this. So for the Mexico Mexico City Grand Prix, I yeah, I don't get why they call it Mexico City Grand Prix. I know it's in Mexico City, but you don't call it the Barcelona Spanish Grand Prix, do you? It's it's one of those. I think people get confused. Like, do you say the Mexico Grand Prix or the Mexican Grand Prix? Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm clutching at straws. Anyway, uh, it was one that was won by Shock of Shocks, Max Verstappen, have Lewis Hamilton, with Charlie Leclerc already at the podium in third half. Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, George Russell, Daniel Ricciardo, Oscar Piastri, Alex Albon, and Esteban Ocon rounding out the top ten. I feel like even with that, uh, mostly from, I want to say, Russell downwards is very, it's kind of, how would you describe it? There's a lot to say for each of those drivers that finished where they finished. Maybe not so Piastri, but uh, yeah. How you want to breaking this race down? I guess to uh, I guess it's a race two of two stages. Halves. Yeah, very yeah, much yeah. so. So we're kind of just to a broad general loser, winners and losers, and then you kind of we can tackle people's races within that uh, within that aspect. But I guess not, the one that doesn't really change either way is uh, Verstappen's because. And it's not trained 16 times this season, Graham, so <laughs> unless excluding sprints. Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, 16, he, he now has a, a record now. His own, well, he, he already broke his own, but extended to it, 16 race wins in the season, 51 wins, which I now think does take him uh, level with, uh, it's Prost, isn't it? Not Vettel. Vettel's yeah, the Vettel's 53. Yeah, Singapore, but Vettel on 53. Mm. So, but look, he didn't take pole to Verstappen, but he took didn't take pole the one place he probably wouldn't want to take pole. He was in the perfect spot in third. Uh, got the run very quickly on the two Ferraris. It, uh, had the inside into turn one. And that was really it. I mean, he got through. It, it did look like he was going to do a two-stop. And then that, even yeah. when I, that, I guess that's the one thing that really changed was uh, was that because the Ferraris had just boxed. And uh, he yeah, just got to put on new set of tyres. And 
once he got through the start, I mean, it was very straightforward and he eked out a pretty comfortable gap in the end. And I mean, there he was. Twice. Yeah. I mean, what else is. Well, I mean, the fir- it would have been interesting to see how the first. St- it would have broken down in the first stint, had. Because we think. I think. We were fairly sure that he would have gone. Although I don't, know, I don't feel as much as confident as that now, given how easily the medium guys got through after the red flag. So maybe he wouldn't have gone to the end. But I don't. I felt like there was a two stop happening. Have. I think they would have just to cover us. They had the pace. There's no point risking it. Is the it's Pirelli. The tire, there's a lot of stress on them tires around there. So they had the gap. They would have pit. Hundred percent. Even for fastest lap, like you, you would have known there was something was coming sooner or later. 10 laps from the end of summit, they would have put the mediums on. But even still, the car was levels above in Max's hands once again in race trim. So, not much else to really say apart from that. He basically steamrolled the grid once he had pitted onto new tyres. Was only got, and only got Charles to go. Was only, what, six or seven seconds behind him before mm. the uh, red flag came out? Or the pit stop for Charles, should I say? Yeah, it would have been, I think it would have been. It would have been straightforward enough. So, yeah, I had not much to say on Verstappen on that end of things. Uh, just, yeah, just didn't get pole position, which was the uh, surprise of us. But yeah, thirty-one race wins now, Graham, in, in two years. Do, do you know when we started Ridiculous. this podcast? He had nine wins. Yeah, I think it was and nine. Charles Leclerc had <laughs> it didn't have as many pole <laughs> positions. Right. So I wanted to ask you about this because. I forgot to mention last weekend that he now has the most pole positions in F1 without a world title, taking that from Valtteri Bottas. Apparently, now this, I'm reading this from F1 TV, or I, had, I wrote this down from F1 TV. He's got, he's only converted four pole positions into race wins. Can you name the four races? Okay. Now, for record, I don't know. I have my own guesses. I don't know the answer to this. I have the Wikipedia page in front of me to tell me the answer. But the ones I <laughs> actually, yeah, you go for yours, and I'm I'll, I'll, before I look at the screen again, I'll, I'll show you who was on. I'll tell you who's on mine. So I'm gonna go with the obvious one of Australia 2022. Okay. That doesn't sound like it's correct. No, I, the the honest answer is I don't know either because I haven't looked at it yet. But I haven't okay, ready to go in right. front of me. So Australia is the one that always sticks in my mind. Okay. Um. Oh my god. I'm trying to think of times where Clerk has actually been on pole and won. Well, if you break down many. his wins, I mean, there's a lot fewer of his wins than there are uh, poles. So if you if you think about it that way, I mean, his his wins can be broken down to 19, 22, and that's it. Bahrain, 22. I've I've Bahrain down for twenty two. Yeah, that's what I've. Well, we'll find out if it's right in a sec. But uh, okay, so Australia Bahrain twenty nineteen. What did he win in twenty nineteen? <laughs> this is where he got like seven. He got on the most poles. He did get the he most poles. Yeah, that's right. He didn't win in Bahrain. No. Should have. Shouldn't. Should have. Right. Yes, but he did not. Should have. Um. I don't even know. The 2019, I can't remember. Really? They're fairly standout. Are they? Am yeah. I being silly? Yeah, you, you you definitely are for one of them. Oh, Monza, of course. Yeah, I have that for one of mine as well. And one more. One more? Yeah. When did, when did Ferrari fall off? USA. Um, Jesus. Before It was before Monza, I'll tell you that, tell you that much. Should be obvious. 
Oh, it's Belgium. Belgium, yeah. You, so is that, yeah. Your, is that your four oh, guesses? That's my four guesses. Okay, my guesses were Monza, Spa. I have Austria 22, but I don't feel confident about that anymore. And I have Bahrain. Okay. So looking in front of me then. Uh, I think them three are correct. The Spa, Monza, Bahrain. Okay, so I have a quick check. So, yeah, so Spa and Monza are correct. So two from 2019. We did have both of those. Now, 2022. Let me just have a scroll down. Uh, Okay, 22. You are correct because Leclerc had pole win and fastest lap. So that is one for you. And the next one, where are we? You are correct as well. It was Australia, 22. Gee, let's there you go. go. Uh, I, yeah, I, Austria, Austria was a stab in the dark, I'll be honest. But anyways, yeah, but that's it. Like, it's it's he's only converted four now into victory. And I think it's now, before the race, it was the last 10 that he hadn't yeah, converted not, from pole. 11. So, yeesh. Anyway, uh, but I guess, you know... Even just talking about Leclerc and Ferrari, would you consider them as winners of the weekend for how how things went, or just how how would they you how would you rate things? I, I have them down as winners, third and fourth for a track that I predicted them to be seventh and eighth. That's that's a great job in my mind, considering the tire wear around here and Ferrari's reputation for tire and I, I've banged on about it all year. But the the I, I literally had my mind blown on on Saturday. I was sat there mm. expecting nothing, and then suddenly, just both of them chalked themselves up into P1 and P2 and I never went more ballistic in my life. I, don't, <laughs> I couldn't understand how they'd done it. Must have been the p- most perfect conditions to do though, both of their laps. Con must have been in the perfect window because they couldn't match it the next time out on another new set of tyres. And then even Max couldn't match it. I know it didn't really mean much, but taking a pole is the small victory I have to take this kind of, <laughs> this year. Well, it was- <laughs> so... It was so strange was, because, like Q two, they were they looked nowhere. Like science barely yeah. scraped through to Q three. Exactly, that's why I was so shocked. So it was a remarkable uh, turnaround. I just, I just couldn't believe it. And obviously, this sort of came back to reality a bit in the race. But I well, still take P three and P four. By reality, do you mean lap one, turn one? Yeah, but we we had the same thing again, <clears throat> where Charles seems to lose the front wing gameplay and then goes faster. <laughs> I don't understand that. I know it's a weird, we had that it's last weird year. One. We had that last year where the at Silverstone where the car was just ridiculously quick with half the front wing missing, and then he was had four seconds on Carlos easily in both sessions in both parts of the race today. I don't, I don't understand how. Mm. I know they changed the wing during the red flag, but it was still bizarre. Yeah, it was a weird one because, but I think it's an overall win for them because, like, like you mentioned, like this has not been a happy hunting ground for them, and especially the last few years. Like, obviously, we know they t- they turned down the turbo quite a bit last year. In twenty one, they're scrapping on themselves for like P six and seven as well. So, it does mark, I guess, a nice turnaround. I guess in that way, I think Leclerc was unlucky not to get second uh, with this race. I think he was unlucky with the red flag. Yeah, I, I think Ferrari actually played the strategy right for once mm. by staying out and going long. Hamilton hadn't actually gained that much, to be honest, like I thought he was going to with the undercut. It was only, what, six seconds? And I'm pretty positive the new set of hards that Leclerc had on, which was seven laps newer, would have come to him at the end of the race when Hamilton's tyres would have definitely dropped off if they'd have tried the one-stop. Yeah. So 
where the red flag came out literally a couple laps after Leclerc had pit. Yeah, that was, was tough. Really, really brutal. But it happens. It happens to everyone, I guess. So you yeah. can't really complain about it. And look, he like he was like didn't have any defence. Well, he, it did initially, but then Hamilton came through on on the mediums, and yeah, they lasted better than they thought. And just didn't there was nothing left at the end. It was like just slot into P three. So yeah, but I think overall they can be they can be satisfied enough. Can fry with uh, with how with how that went. Hmm. Any word on science at all, or <clears throat> not much else to say? Read there. He just did what he did. It was do. a very um, absent weekend for cars. I know he got second and qualified and finished fourth, but didn't really see much of him really, apart from defending from Russell a little bit. That was about it. He didn't really do much. And I'm pretty positive if McLaren's race had gone a bit different with uh, <laughs> the restart, then um, Carlos would have been not finishing P4. Yeah, they may have got away with one there, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, should we give a win of the weekend to Mercedes for at least Hamilton's no. result? No. To Lewis, yeah, of course. Fine. Mm. Not a problem. Lewis absolutely smashed it, considering he was sort of given a bit of a bad strategy on paper, but it turned out to be the right one. Uh, put a stick in on the set of mediums for the um, stint after the red flag. I thought I was really brave of them to do that, yeah. but it worked. Got on track position and was able to uh, extend the gap in it. It really did work. Had an amazing start as well to get himself up to where he did. <coughs> I do apologise. I have a bit of a cold, so I keep coughing. It is the season. It is the season, yeah. Um, but yeah, Lewis again, just showing you why he's the number one Mercedes driver. He really has. He really is hunting down P2 in the championship and another second oh, place. Oh, gosh. I didn't even think about that after the Perez thing. Mike, do you know if he hadn't got disqualified, he'd be two points behind now? Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about the Perez angle today. Jeez, I just Four races to go. 20 points spin. is the gap. Yeah. Yeah. And Perez hasn't finished on the podium since Belgium, I believe. Uh, I can have a quick gander for you, but yeah. Or am I, being, I might be wrong on that, but... Perez's last podium came, if this wants to load, uh, it was Italy. Okay, that's still a long time ago. That was race 14. Yeah. I'm race 20. It was race, oh gosh, the season moves quickly. <laughs> it does, it really does. So the clocks have just gone back, so. Yeah, true, true that, true that, yeah, jeez. Yeah, this time of the year does seem to fly by. Uh yeah, I don't have much else. I'm. I was a little disappointed with Mercedes qualifying pace. I, I thought yeah, they maybe, given how how things went in uh, in USA, I thought they'd be a little bit closer to the the action here. So now I think they'll. I think I still think they'll be in the hunt for Brazil. But yeah, I thought they'd be oh, a little bit closer here. But I, I think the altitude might not have been in their favour. I think that affected them more than they were expecting. Yeah, they um to be it, just to be a bit lower oh. for Brazil. Yeah, which is always, and they they always go well at Brazil anyway. So when they've got a legal car anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I don't have much else to add on Mercedes or Hamilton. I believe uh, a decent move on Leclerc. To be fair, what's he? Uh, yeah, what's he eventually got there? But uh, who else would you give a winner of the weekend to? Well, I think there's only one place to go, isn't there? The driver of the week, well, the driver of the race, anyway. Like I'd say, I'd say, I really, I think weekend is fine. I won't, I won't, I won't say weekend. I think you could, you could. He was very good no. in practice too. Are we talking about the same guy here? Are we? Da Daniel Ricciardo. 
Oh no, I wasn't talking about the same guy. Oh. Well, we can definitely go to Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, oh. That's fine with me. I thought yeah, you were there. Yeah, next. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, would have been the drive of the weekend. Well, is the I still the think he is. Yeah, yeah. Qualified P four, out qualifying Perez at his home race, and then bringing that car home to finish P six. Or P seven was it? I don't know. P seven. P seven. He knew he should have been P six. Yeah. Well, it would have been great to see the battle, but you know, watching Max cross the line. Oh, did you know? Oh, did you guys not see it? Oh, sorry. Like, no. Nope. He uh, so very, uh, very quickly. He got closer to turn one. Tried to go with it, go for it, then around turn, uh, for him down to turn four. Couldn't quite hook around the outside, so he kind of didn't get the chance to really. Uh, we saw it right it. down to turn one, and then it cut off. Yeah, the main the main point of attack was towards turn turn four, but he I think he was trying to go for a switchback. Russell positioned it well tried to go for a switchback just wasn't confident enough on the brakes to get alongside to be warranted the space so yeah. it kind of just didn't didn't go well you, you know how we have this multi viewer mode where we can put the the battle in the little screen on the side of the uh at the side of the actual stat of the driving order of the running orders sorry where it's mm-hmm. a little window it pops up we could have put the battle in there whilst we watched max cross the line i yeah. know they like to do the no matt the winner crossing the line is the main thing but Put the battle on the screen at the same time, at least. Split the screen, for God's sake. IndyCar does it to perfection. <laughs> yeah. How how can you not? F1 TV does it quite a lot as well. Yeah, I, I don't understand why Sky or whoever feeds the world feed doesn't doesn't do it. Makes no sense. Yeah, it is a strange one, but it was an incredible qualifying before. Like, like he looked good at all through practice as well. To be fair, he did. I I did think he's only in there because of Yuki giving him a toe, and then. Nuki didn't make it into Q3. Obviously, no point in getting into Q3. He was starting from the back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Daniel puts it P4. Like, yeah. It just, I was just like, all right, okay. This is like what I, I wanted to see. And that kind of performance won't go unnoticed, especially what happened to Perez this weekend. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. If you thought he got through on luck with the toe, then like Q3 immediately dispelled it, like you said. Uh, he qualified ahead of Perez, who wasn't a million miles away from things. As to be fair, like no, uh, no, of course not. No, but even still, Perez in qualifying, he just, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bo Mercedes, uh, the McLaren of Piastri, like it was a. I know that, like, and F1 TV made a made a bit too much of this. Yes, it's the the team that's in tenth, but it is definitely not the tenth quick. Uh, sl- it's not the slowest car on the grid. That's that's definitely not. Not to, like doesn't take away anything from. What Ricardo did, but it is not the tenth fastest car, so there was a not bit, anymore. There's a bit too much on that, but he did an absolutely unbelievable job. And in the race, look, I think he was unlucky with the red flag because I think he had a, like he had Russell and Piastri covered. I mean, it was he looked like he didn't look under threat. Uh, like Piastri was, a, I think Piastri, yeah, Piastri was ahead of Russell. Like he, like he looked that was all covered, so he wasn't lucky with the red flag, and he was on the hard of Russell on the mediums, and that was it. And he was, again, the red flag brought Norris into play as well. Whether Norris would have eventually come into play under a normal race, I don't quite know. But so I think there was more there for Ricardo, but he wasn't lucky with the red flag. But still, like a P7, it's Alfatari's best result of the season. And what does that do for them for the constructors? It puts them nine, I believe. It goes they they go up to eight. They go up to eighth now. Yeah, because they, they have the the best result out of all three teams. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because of the P seven. Now it yeah. should have been a double points finish. 
He, he really should have. An easy double points finish. That should have been a P7 and a P8. Yeah, even if it turned out to be a P10, it would have still been a massive points haul. Sky were talking about being a $20 million points swing. It still might be, yeah. Like, it's yeah. unfortunate because like, if Sonoda finished, we'll talk about Sonoda on his own later, but if, he, if he'd finished eighth where he was heading, he that would have put them on 20 points, which only put them eight behind Williams, which is definitely, like, I mean, 12 points right now is still very much doable given what just happened here. I mean, it's they're very much still in play for seventh there somehow. Somehow, I don't know. I don't know how. Like, sorry, I, I have just seen a, a video of two Ferrari fans being attacked by a Paris fan, so that's great. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, just been banned according to uh, the media. Neat. Uh, the it doesn't it doesn't just remind you of Aston Martin from last year, where they were in ninth for ninety percent of the season, and then at the very end leapt up to where they did. Yeah, it, it does. The, in the most upgraded car this year, that Alfa Tauri. Oh, definitely. That is, it is by no, far it, the most it, developed car. Easily the most developed car. Definitely. But not, uh, to say, not, not to say it's worked. Well, clearly. The time. It's worked now, but uh, the McLaren one is obviously the most obvious display of it improving, but mm. this one definitely, in recent races, since they bought the last upgrade, it's really, really gone forward. Well, ever since Lawson came in, really, actually. You couldn't. You notice the difference because that car would not been getting points at the start of the year mm. unless your name was Yuki and scraping a P turn. I've just looked at the F one. I've just had, I have the F one TV post race show and the car signs walking around in the background. They've he's got security with them, so yeah, yeah, as you would need, I suppose. But uh, well, the clerk might need more. But anyway, uh, yeah. So for, for Ricardo, like again, like I, I don't want to go ahead and say he's back and all this. Like no, it, no. this is an excellent <clears throat> starting point. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, of course. It might be a flu weekend. The car just works around this track, but hopefully not. <coughs> like, I was hoping he would send it on George, to be honest. But yeah, you, he, I think, he would look I like such a... So, yeah, imagine it, if he ruined it. Yeah, imagine. I think that's what... he in Back in the day, he would have sent it mm -hmm. on the last lap. But I think that he realised he's not in a rebel. The points matter. He can't just send it and then not be bothered about the points. These points are massive to a team to like after. Right? Well, it's huge. Like, like those six points are right now could be worth like literally twenty million dollars. Yeah, I don't literally his signing on fee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but that's ex like it's a great step for him. Uh, obviously, uh, Red Bull would be delighted to see that as well. So, yeah, let's see where yeah. it goes from here. Uh, I don't know if we could. I, like, I wouldn't expect this kind of thing every weekend, but uh, no. But if it, he's got more points than. Is he more puzzled than Yuki now? Well, yeah, I think he is now their top top, yeah. top scorer now. That's bad. It's not that it's bad. Like, you, oh, actually, sorry, no. Stone's got eight and Ricardo's got six. So it's it's close. <laughs> okay. But still. I know. <laughs> it, it won't matter race. to Red Bull. No, it will <laughs> not. Daniel Ricardo. It will not matter. <laughs> uh, who did you... Who is your... Uh, unless you have anything to add on Ricardo or Alfatari, who, no. who are you going to say for uh, the winner of the weekend? Norris. I, I'm 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 fifty fifty with this. Yeah, I, that's why I said that's why I was confused because I was like definitely not for Sado. Definitely yeah. not. I, like, yeah. I know he's sort of given a tough task where he cocked up on his final lap, so it was his own mistake. But yeah, in the race it was a different different kettle of fish. Bam drove like a madman. I mean, 
I feel two ways about it. Like, yeah, he did well to get to fifth. Fifth was very flattering for him. I don't know how... Th- I, he paid early from the softs. Obviously, like, qualifying, like... Yes, he was put in a difficult position by McLaren, but he still didn't deliver. And that's been a trend for Norris in qualifying of late, that he hasn't quite... When the car has been good, he hasn't always delivered the qualifying results. We've seen that yeah. in the flyaways, especially. So that wasn't great. He started well back on softs. Okay, didn't make the he didn't make stellar progress. Pitted early. He definitely would have had to pit again. There's no like he pit very early on those hards. They wouldn't have gone. I'm very confident they wouldn't have gone to the end. Yeah, but like I said to you pre-race, I, I fully expected him to do a two-stop. It would have been made, made the most mm. sense to do what Ricardo did in the previous year. Ricardo arguably had his his best race in McLaren um, of that year. Anyway, mm. it was. Literally, what Aston Martin would have done if they had a brain cell. Oh yeah, but yeah, uh, and then so then Norris got completely bailed out with the red flag. So I he mean, did. but he was up to he, if they didn't have the safety car, he was running P eight. So well, they mean, screwed that up as well because see, they pitted him before him the red flag, and Sonoda, who was basically shadowing Norris the whole first stint, essentially behind him after he pitted, ended up ahead of him. Um, yeah, like, like I said to you him. though, that's a red flag instantly. I knew knew it as soon as I saw it. As soon as I saw that mess of the tech pro, I was like, yeah, that's going to be a red flag. Yeah, for the tech pro, that like the, yeah, that's whenever the tech pro is a mess, it's always a red, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in that section. Anyway, it's not like it's out the way on the inside somewhere where it's, and it's a freak accident, but it's um, it, it could have been better if he hadn't have had such a bad restart as well. I really do think he would have got signs. It was about seven or eight seconds up the road. Yeah, and he would have lost that with such a messy first lap of the restart. It was bad, and like because he was on he was on the mediums and he just got so, some 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 of the restart wasn't his fault because he had to back out because otherwise sure. he pinched. But that sort of just had a Constantina effect and made him lose even more. So I get why he backed out, otherwise he'd be out of the race. But and it would have been another red flag for a guess. Um, but even still, still a great race, still a winner in my eyes. Uh, yeah, to, finish, I, to, to start where you did and finish ahead of your teammate, like that, that's still impressive in my eyes. Yeah, but again, I just feel like he was completely aided by the red flag, and he, that should he have that should, like realistically that should have been a podium easily if he had got Saturday yeah. right. If he got Saturday right, that should have been an easy P three because he would have minced me at them Ferraris. Yeah, absolutely. I've said them. So I, f- I feel two ways about it. Like, the end result yeah. looks great from where his race started, but I, I think, again, it's, yeah, that, it's that qualifying mistake again, and the race was going... It was it was, it was heading for points, but I, I definitely not P5. So. It would have been like seventh at best. Yeah, so I, I can see why you put him in there, but I, I personally... Yeah, no, I, I think you have to... I have to put him in there just for... Providing some entertainment in the race. Oh yeah, like the race yeah, was, that, that was it was entertaining enough. Like like the midfield was a madness. Like it, it was one of the better Mexico Grand Prix I can remember for just midfield action. One of the better ones, the only good one. Yeah, people people immediately defaulted. Oh, what about 2016? That race was shite for 90 percent of it until the Verstappen Ricardo Vettel thing until the end. <laughs> yeah, but it makes great highlights. Don't get me wrong, but. Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, people people forget that. <laughs> uh, I'll give the win the weekend to Alex Albon. But yes. it's I but you could like again it feels it's weird for again. this. Yeah, because 
you looked at Friday practice and the such, and like he was in what the top three, two, two out of three sessions. He was second in two out of the three sessions. And you thought, all right, the other one. This, like, oh, okay. this looks all right. They're going to be a three in qualifying. And then qualifying comes. They barely get through the Q2 and then get knocked. I think if they got through the Q3, I think they would have been in good shape, but Alban got his lap time deleted. So they're kind of big disappointment in qualifying. They started the race on hards. I did the right thing, I thought. Yeah, that was that was going fine. It wasn't heading for points, though, because the Alban was dropping in the... He was dropping behind the ghastly Hulkenberg scrap that was going on. Uh, but the red flag came out at a good time for Albon. And he was a benefit, having been ahead of Hulkenberg, who'd already boxed. Obviously, so it worked. I guess, I guess you make your own luck. He was on hard. He stayed out longer. Yeah, he got the benefit of the red flag. He got track position. And he was lucky that Hulkenberg was behind him. And with the tire problems that Hulkenberg had, he just Albon had a very lonely P9 in the end. But uh, two more points, two valuable points, if this AlphaTauri scrap is uh, going the distance, which it seems like it might. Yeah, they need to keep adding points to that. Just to keep the buffer, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just to uh, keep them in, in clear frontage. Because it'd be such a shame if they end up dropping down because everybody else catches up. They've, I think they've been fortunate these last two races. They've scored, multi, they scored what, five points? From yeah, positions I wouldn't have expected them to. Yeah, where well, they did, probably didn't deserve it on merit, but you know, these things happen. You make your own luck at yeah. the end of the day, and everybody else seems to be shitting the bed around them. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, a good race for Albon. I, the, yeah, the red flag obviously was a big help for him and getting Hulkenberg between him and everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to think what could have been for... if that car was performing how it performed in the practice sessions yeah. in qualifying. Probably wouldn't have meant anything, but it would have been nice to see a Williams starting third or something and the run down to turn one and see him and Williams leading up. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been fun. You know what I mean? Just to see. But I, I wouldn't have lasted anyway, but still. Yeah. Someone else to be a Ferrari. That would have been funny. <laughs> hey man, it was always Vegas, perhaps. And I'd, I'd add to my depression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any other winners of the weekend while we're here? Uh, I'll, I would, I'll actually put Hulkenberg in yeah, there. Yeah, I would too. I, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. Entire weekend on of his 200th uh, race start in an upgraded half that seemed to do better with the tyres in comparison to every other race this season, apart <laughs> from the first four. Um, was on track for points, and then unfortunately, the, the fight just eventually did die off. So he did well to hold along on to it for he as long as he did. He did brilliantly hold on for as long as he did. The, the hassle grade has definitely worked, just not enough. Yeah. I and I, I think agree. they're actually a lot other than. To be honest, considering he was running on his own <laughs> with with the two mid cars behind him, yeah, I think he like again. I think he was unlucky with the red flag as well because his. Yeah. I think he would have come back uh, because he did. I think he did excellent to keep Gassi behind in the first stint, and then he boxed. And I, I don't remember if he was actually ahead of Gassi at the stops, but I think he may have been ahead still of Gasly. Anyway, and then the red flag came out, and that was. Well, I mean, he, he did his best to hold on on, on the on the tires on the mediums, but yeah, it, it, well, it was, I think it was lap sixty six in the end where he eventually succumbed to uh, to Ocon. But I think, I, yeah, I think I think he drove a very excellent race uh, for what he could have done. And like I said, I think it's getting to a better place, but it's just quite, it's just not enough quite yet. But uh, I did enjoy the eleven minute video F one put out with uh, for his celebrating his two hundredth Grand Prix. That was a nice trip down memory lane for him he's going through a few bits and bobs and memorabilia and 
I liked his helmet quite a lot as well. That was a very nice uh, special helmet. It had like references to like A1 and GP2 and Le Mans and obviously his F1 stuff. And he had the uh, he had the old man Hulkenberg announcement thing on the on the you remember that meme. Uh, I do. So he had that on as well. So yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, but I think he did drive very well. Uh, just yeah, just like you said, they just just completely zero at the end. Uh, the tires did so. That was unfortunate, uh, but yeah, I think he drove excellently as well. Uh, I would have put Yuki Tsunoda in this mix had he not done what he did, but anyway, uh, I I mean, I'll give a winner for Esteban Ockham for somehow. I do not know how he shithoused a P10 out of this race. He was absolutely shit for 90% of this race weekend, I would say. Uh, qualified by Gasly absolutely nowhere in the first stint now he was on hards to be fair but still like he was he was just absolutely no he was behind alonso and that says a lot for what this weekend was so it really does <laughs> couldn't get by that and then somehow managed to sneak into the red obviously he was a big beneficiary of the red flag too of course uh, and poor old Gasly got absolutely shafted Gasly somehow did not end up with points having stuck behind hulkenberg and then stuck behind the battle with Hulkenberg with his teammate. So, yeah, that was unfortunate. So, well done to Ocon for somehow getting a point out of that shit. Um, Gasly, I think you could even throw in as an actual winner in a sense. Because I think he, nothing wrong with it while he drove. He just got stuck behind a Haas. And then stuck behind oh. his teammate after the red flag. So, that was unfortunate. Uh, so, but yeah, I thought I thought Gasly drove very well. And Ocon did not. And that's just how it goes. Yeah, I had them down in meh. So, didn't yeah. do anything wrong. It just was the best they could manage. Uh, I guess we got lucky to scrape a point. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Well, yes, again, they've got Snow to thank for that. Uh, in the realms of meh, I would throw in the likes of Russell. George, yeah. Piastri. No, Oscar Piastri, I'd say the same. Although Piastri had a very nice move around the outside of Russell on lap one. You, you didn't see We saw the end of it, not the start of it. Oh. So it's great. Sorry about that. Fantastic. Yeah, because I was like, you, you said to me, what a great move by Oscar. I was like, what do you mean? He was in front of him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, he swooped around the outside. It was very nice within track limits too. Uh, very handy indeed. Uh, who else you have in there? Uh, Bottas's uh, race was fine. I was going to say both alphas are just meh. I don't know what happened to Joe though. Like Joe, so Bottas qualified ahead of Joe. Then Joe ended up ahead of Bottas, and then Joe was the first to pit again. And then I don't know what happened that led Joe being so far off the back at the end. There must have been some sort of problem. I think I think the radio came on and said he was getting very hot in the cockpit, so they felt I don't know if they turned something down or something like that. Yeah, it does. It's the reason why we don't get great racing around here usually because like cars just get too hot in this altitude and they can't run too close to each other. So it would have made sense from that from that point of view. Uh, and then Bottas was in the mix then with Hulkenberg, etc. At the end, he was on the back of Gasly and Ocon, etc. But uh, went very wide into the into the Ferret Assault and then strolled, decided he'd have a sneak up the inside. Now, Bottas did lose the back end somewhat, but I don't know much more. I, 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 just, I would put that as a racing incident. I don't think Stroll yeah. was egregiously to blame. It was just one, like, I think it was opportunistic, sure, but I don't think it was ridiculous. No, it wasn't, it wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't a send like I was expecting it to be on the, on the replays. Hmm. He just went. He just threw a gap and went for it, like he would do if he was stuck in that train for thirty laps. Yeah, very much so. Well, Stroll Mendoza. was right there with Bottas, then had a moment, then lost it for a long time. Arguably, probably should have got done for moving under breaking on Sergeant afterwards. That was definitely twice. It was really bad. But anyways, that did not occur, and a Bottas was out of the points. But I thought he, his race was fine. 
Other than that, uh, uh, I'll put Logan in there actually as well. Logan didn't do anything wrong. No, his race was fine. Uh, again, the disparity to Albon wasn't like again. It's not reflective, and the the, the the final timings does not really reflect where he was. I thought his race was fine. Uh, he did get he did get the better hand of the Battle of Magnuson, and then had to retire last lap, last corner essentially too for a a fuel pump issue. Went straight into park for a maid, didn't even get to take the flag. So. Which he was pretty upset by, and I understand why he was. I think he was heading for P12. He just overtaken Hulkenberg as well. Like he had a scrap with him to get through, did it, and then yeah, had to uh, had to seed. So yeah, he was not not pleased. No, I wouldn't be either, to be honest. So no, I do not blame him on that one. He sounded quite upset actually when he was coming in as well. Well, oh, imagine that though, doing seventy-one laps and all you've got left is one corner, and then the team's like, "Nah, mate, you can't even can't even cross the." Cross the line. He did ask, and but then was told no. So strange. So it was a difficult one for that. But anyways, uh, I think that's all my kind of mares and in the middle of the roads and winners. So I guess that just leaves us with loser of the weekend. And uh, I mean, where else? There's a fairly big one. Yeah. Well, the hometown hero uh, had an almighty start. I will say from fifth. One of the best stars I've seen in a while. To be fair. He was definitely heading for a top three by the end of la- uh, turn one or two. It could have even had the lead. It would have been and ambitious. That would have been allowed. But he, with Max in the way, but he would have been at least in second, I think. Yeah, he was on the outside there because Charles would have had to back out. He was close. Uh, and then turned in a little too early on the outside. Uh, a little. Now, not helped, of course, by. Well, I mean, I don't... Again, here's... Okay, so we disagree on this incident. Yes, within reason, yes. Okay, so my argument is if Leclerc was out of the race or lost multiple more positions or whatever, I think this would have been... And this went to the stewards. I think it would have been a racing incident. You've got... I'm looking at it here. You've got... First, like, Perez eventually has to turn in, eventually. Leclerc is... I will say Leclerc is completely absolved. But there's mm. a lot of space for Verstappen here as well. And there, there, there is some shades of Singapore, not not exactly, but there's some shades of Singapore 2017. Uh, yeah, Checo's definitely turned in too early, there's no doubt about it. But he's got to do it at some point. It, the, the road closed off very quickly uh, in turn one. Like, it does thin out very, very quickly. So I get why he's turned in there. I don't think it's penalty worthy. I just think if it would have been a racing incident had it been under investigation. I, I agree up to a certain extent. It's just my my problem is you just can't. You can clearly see there's two cars there. You can't just turn and hope they get out of the way. Like he just completely chopped across, and uh, it's his own fault. He's out of the race, and then gave Leclerc damage, which could have led to a penalty because Ferrari idiots and didn't call him in. Yeah, which I, we are yet to see anything about. I don't believe anything. Yeah. Come yet. So we got the the pop-up from the FIA that it was going to be investigated after race for not pitting before the piece broke away uh, from the front wing. There's very little precedent for this because there's plenty of precedent for the bit hanging off and then uh, and then being called into the box. There's nothing for it falling away and then being called after the race for it. The FIA, the fall of the FIA, they should have, like, it was very clear, immediately clear to see with the stay of that front wing that should have been the media black and orange flag then. But yeah, they they stalled and the piece fell off. 
and I think they lost their window. So if if there happens to be a penalty for Ferrari, which again, I don't think there's a precedent for this for a piece of the front wing. There's bits for like there's some precedent for other bits of the car, like Alonso's mirror comes to mind, and there's a whole debacle about that. But that's a that's a completely different thing. That's, that's a safety thing that you should be able to race a car without a mirror. But for a front wing coming off, and then yeah, a, a penalty for that would be bizarre because I don't think there is a precedent for that. Mm. So we'll see what happens with that. But so yeah, but uh, like Perez, like they brought him in. Obviously, they I think they definitely were going to send him back out there. They definitely they, they changed the bit on the side. But I have to imagine there was more damage somewhere else, like the rear suspension or something. And because uh, I think if they could have sent him back out, they definitely would have. And they tried to. Like he stayed in the car. They changed the bit on the side, the side pod. I think they wanted to, but the damage was too much. So, the, the the damage was too much. Sorry, I was having a coughing fit. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, I, like they they really wanted to do the glory run, didn't they? Just to satisfy the fans. They definitely were. They definitely were going to do it, but uh, literally they could not. I I, I think the uh, launch up into the air would have absolutely smashed the floor to bits. So it'd have been undrivable anyway. And then never mind, like you say, never mind the damage to the radiators and all the cooling system. Because like there was a massive gaping hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was rough, and Leclerc was subject to booze and the such afterwards. And it's not, it's not nice. Like, look, the Perez diehards—they go hard. Like, they they do go very, very hard. And like, it's not like what do you like? It's you know, what do you have to do for Leclerc to get booze? Like, you know, what I mean, like that. That's it is an extreme. Yeah. So, but like, it's like really bad. devastating for Perez, of course. Uh, like it was, it was. It's tough, and uh, the timing of it is tough. A because Ricardo was um, was very, very good. Hamilton then, who also, by the way, snuck fastest lap at the end from under Red Bull's nose. <laughs> How much tire was left at the end? So yeah, that does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah, not a uh, yeah, difficult one for Perez, and I don't know what. I mean, again, like I, I guess like, following on from USA. There's been a nice little progression. Again, he wasn't a, like it was a little progression from USA, which was a big progression from Qatar and such. So Perez, I think, has been driving better these last two races, and his star was unbelievable as well. So there's something to be encouraged here by it's just the timing with Ricardo was unfortunate. It was. So I don't want to say on Perez other than that. No, no. Uh, who else would you have as a loser? Oh, actually, a pretty big loser at the weekend, I would say. Um. Yeah, pretty big. It's it's gone downhill very. Like the beginning of the season seems like a very long time ago. For it seems like a season ago. I don't I don't understand how we're in the same season. I know it's literally two different spectrums to the point where they're using races as test sessions. Yeah, because that's literally what the last been two races have been. Stroll using one spec, Alonso using another spec, and it's still have no idea what's going on. In a, in a race weekend right off where I predicted Alonso for a win oh god <laughs> doesn't look good on me oh dear uh, it's sure it's like I don't know I thought there was some room for encouragement by the end of the US Grand Prix weekend yeah same race. I, I was seeing some of the timings and stuff after we recorded the podcast on the Monday night and pace, Stroll's pace is as good as Max's which was very encouraging. I know Max probably wasn't going 100%, but 
but it would have put him in the mix with the McLarens and the Ferraris at least for that race. So it does show you how good that car can be when they get it right. It's just I just don't get why it's gone so badly wrong. Yeah, it's and Alonso even themselves as you get we can say like he's not done a good enough job driving what's been a tricky car. Like when when Alonso is struggling with it as well, like to this degree, like at the beginning of the race, like he let Stroll go because he said Stroll had a better chance than he did. Yeah, uh, and that was very early. So it's bad, and Alonso tried like that forty-seven. Like forget, like I thought they'd get him at least to the flag and take the mileage and see, but whew, he didn't even make it to that fifty. Like it was, it was tough. So uh, I mean, and then Stroll retired because of the incident with Bottas anyway. So that was great. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great either. So it's just, yeah, it's it's, hard. it's it's difficult to watch them having been on the highs that they were early on to where they are now. They've clearly gone in a wrong development point somewhere and they have to identify before the end of the season at least. The honeymoon period is definitely over. Oh, 100%. And Alonso is not happy. Look, I can imagine why he'd be so frustrated with how the star went so well and they probably should have won in Monaco as it turns out and... They were right there, and it's just they've gone in development route, and they've just seen everyone else just well, like they've seen McLaren obviously seismically uh, overtake them from like such a massive deficit. They've fallen away from Mercedes, they've fallen away from Ferrari, they've fallen away from Red Bull who haven't developed. Yeah, literally, <laughs> they just don't. It's just yeah, it's just it makes no sense at all. Yeah, so. there is there is going to be some major questions asked at the end of the year when they review everything because that's that's going to have to be what happens because you can't have this happen again next year and they can't have another bad start of the year like they did in 2022 because mm-hmm. they can't afford for that that yeah. that program needs to be in the top four consistently for it to be worth it with all the money they've just ploughed into that team they can't they can't carry on like this and I know we've sort of dinged for being part of the reason that they're in the decline and have lost four from the constructors, but at the same time, a car shouldn't fall off this much. It's the bigger picture stuff. Like the stroll thing is still a fair argument. Like it, it, it definitely is, a, is an argument, hundred percent. But it's the larger yeah, question. That argument for years. Yeah, it's it's the larger point of question with development and how much of a bearing it has on next year's car, which is basically a carryover of this year. So, yeah, and you've got the question of, can we make the same mistake again next year if we choose to do the wrong thing? Because it's a possibility. If they've committed already to a design and it's gone wrong yeah. now, you know, imagine the repercussions of it next year. Yeah. You've seen how long it took for McLaren to get back on track with their redesign when they figured out they'd gone wrong in Singapore last year. They only got the car, its first upgrades in Azerbaijan, nearly eight months later. It's really, really bad. Yeah, uh, to say that I'm, depending on how these last few races go, to say I'm concerned for their start of 2024 and their winter is an understatement. So they could do with a, they need to get on top of it. If they, if, if they can, they need to get on top of it, obviously, immediately. Because it's not just the end of like the end of this season's been it's been obviously pretty sour, but it's it's the start of next year too. And if there's a frustrating start there, then a lot of yeah, then obviously it's gonna be a long ass season next the year. The tensions will boil over. Yeah. So especially having the fact that they tasted success so early on this year, and and to the extent of it, and they were the second quickest car. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. And this weekend was very much 
bottom of the barrel stuff and we'll, we'll I mean they've got a spring weekend next weekend to figure it out and that's not just and so they're gonna have to be on top of it very early as well and yeah between this mix of specs and upgrades and uh, I, I I don't know if there's a fix for Brazil so I, it's no no this is a write-off now it's, it could get worse before it gets better I'm afraid and it's a sh- it is such a shame that it's it's ended this way after the start it's had but F1 is a brutal business at times it really is it really, really is. Lose of the weekend, then just very, I know we've mentioned very briefly, but Yuki Tsunoda, basically a top, he would have had seventh place on the road. Now, it wouldn't have been enough to keep Norris at bay, but definitely a P8 was there for Tsunoda and just got two. He just wasn't... He Didn't def- think, I don't think. He had the, I don't know if, like, they were, I don't, I'm trying to use it, like, is it a lack of patience or... I think yeah, he had Piastri measured. It was definitely happening. After the lap before, where it went sort of tits up and they made a little bit of contact, you thought you would have thought to yourself, right, he knows he's got the pace to get him if he just waits a little bit. I know it's with that economy, you sort of got to get it done quickly before the car overheats, but you've got to set him up to make a mistake or set him up to a position where you can out-traction him. Yeah. And he, he just was too keen. Could have given way more space and would have still forced him out and set himself up for the next run down the straight where he would have had DRS anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is what uh, Lando was basically doing with everybody. Setting him up and then getting him on the second straight. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It just, yeah, it's just one of those where you'd... That was that was like rookie Sonoda right there. You'd, mm, you'd, it was. You know, you'd, you'd hoped that he'd learn a bit better and he'd know that, okay, you know, I think it's one of those like... You might you come over and you expect maybe the other car to follow suit and like defence, but uh, Piastri did not, and it just looked looked bad. But yeah, but that was a certain point finish that just went away. A race where like it was it was a massive salvage job. Like he'd the red flag had helped him brilliantly to get back into a great position to begin with, and it was just a it's a shame that it was just a driver a silly driver error like that that just threw that away. And we'll see how costly that comes to be by season's end in their battle with Williams for seventh now, which is weird to say, but that's, that's the reality of us. Hmm. So we shall see, but yeah, other than that, I, I just, I'd finish off with uh, Magnussen. Uh, glad that he's like that. It was a big crash, of course, so glad he's okay. And he's, he's at the medical center and such, but his race, his qualifying was nothing. His race was very poor as well. Uh, up to that, he was battling with Sargent really near the back. And he'd had that he'd had that driver error in the first place that caused that eventual suspension failure. So a uh, rough place for it to happen. Nasty accident. Glad he's okay. But he, he wasn't exactly having the best of uh, things prior to that. So not great for Magnussen when his teammate was fighting the points up to that point. Hmm. And other than that, I think that just about covers it. It does actually for uh Quite a quick roundup of the Mexican Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, race rating out of ten. Six and a half. There was some Yeah, solid mid down the middle, isn't it? Yeah, like there was nothing really at the front, sadly, after lap one, but the midfield was great. There's lots of action there. Uh, you know, we had we, they had that little part of the race, like I think lap twenty something, twenty seven or so, where like we had converging strategies and overtakes happening and the action in the midfield was fun and he had Norris coming back through afterwards, of course, which yeah. added a bit to it as well. So yeah, there was it was much better than we've had races here in the past. So I'm pleased with that at least. Yeah, it's like having a taco but no guacamole with it. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> Why not? Uh, right. Let's fly. Shall we go on to the biggest talk- talking point of the week? Uh, let's uh, just a, a, couple, a couple of things from uh, USA first of all, uh, just in terms of uh, fallout from that. Uh, Obviously, there was some talk about, you know, like why other cars weren't checked for by the FIA afterwards and all this kind of thing. Uh, supposedly, it was actually only Russell's, or sorry, it was only, only Hamilton and Leclerc's that originally checked, which probably the FIA had to check others after that. So there was that. They, they, they get, they monitor it and then check it, I believe, is how it was worded on Twitter from what I saw. There is a little a sensor thing that they can see that monitors it and then they go and check it manually to make sure that of the wear. But people are saying like, you know, can we just check all cars? Like that's that's not realistic. And like yeah, most yeah, of the teams push back realistic. on this as well. So it's it's not, but if it, if there's a, a fault on one car you should definitely check your teammates, the teammates car, regardless, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like no as a standard thing. no one no team principal or etc. who was asked about this could really fault the FIA process with this in particular. The frustrating thing, I think, for people was that, people in the paddock at least, is that, yeah, the teammates should have been checked as well, which is yeah. only two other cars. Yeah, but that's massive for some teams, isn't it? So I couldn't understand it. Look, when Hamilton said that he put all his money on other cars being illegal, he's absolutely correct. I'm sure there were others, but... It's a random check at the end of the day. Yeah. So you can't just, you can't, like, if you're, if, if you're to check everyone for, like, and that's just the plank. Right? Like, imagine checking every car for every single aspect. Like, would be like, Ooh, front... this, this piece of bodywork is bent 0.2 of a degree out of legality. Yeah. Disqualified. Yeah. Like, it's stupid. It just, stupid. You, you just, you, it's, it's just not realistic unless, like, you still have the manpower for that. And, so like that was that there was that, uh, the sprint stuff. Well, well, again, there's not a lot of talk on that, but like Andrea Stella, I thought I had an intro, like much to my own horror with this. He said that Andrea Stella was saying that tire strategy, not reverse grids, is the best way to spice up F1 sprints. Okay, and I've seen a lot of that actually. Yeah, again, uh, it's like like I suggested last week, get the top six or top five or six teams, depending on like you get maybe you go do a percentage scale, because I'm sure the FIA would have information like that uh, about the. Uh, the performance scale to the quickest car and then according to that you do so for example I, the example I would use for this year you'd have uh, Mercedes Ferrari Red Bull uh, well in some cases Aston Martin uh, Alpine etc on hard compound tyres and you have the rest of you on mediums and then yeah. let the cam amongst the pigeons essentially see what happens uh, yeah, it's not that. it's not perfect, of course, because some some perform like for example that was on Aston Martin this weekend. They were absolutely fecked, but it's a sprint. It's supposed to be for entertainment, so you know, I, you draw the line somewhere, I guess, when it comes to this. Because the reason why we have the sprint is for entertainment. Like that's that's yeah, literally I, I it. Think, I, I think the talk of it becoming its own separate championship is a good step forward. Yeah, I'd like, like that. I'd, I'd I'd rather that because then it's sort of ups the reward a little bit there's talk of a million dollar prize pool being invested into it for the driver who wins um it just being its own thing i think is a good start and then whatever changes like you say with the tires or just just let us do random things please <laughs> just don't do just don't stick to the format if it doesn't work that's someone all i'm asking just be open to change mm-hmm Experiment. We've got we've got twenty four races next year. Please, 
Yeah. Please experiment. Have we had the, have we had the sprints confirmed at the races next year? No, I don't think so. I, d- I didn't think we had. No. It comes a bit later in the year. Yeah. But I'm guaranteeing it's Austria and Brazil. As it should be, yeah. Yeah. The staples of the sprint. Uh, other follow-ups from Cota. Uh, it was announced during the week that uh, F1 Academy champion Marta Garcia is being uh, is moving up to Freca as we as, as I guess could be predicted. Uh, she's going in with Prema. So this seat is funded by F1 Academy, Prema, and there was someone else listed that I actually that I, uh, some organization or company that I hadn't heard of before. Um, I thought it was F1, but I imagine just like it's F1 Academy, so I, I imagine it's just part of that. Like it's. Uh-huh. I'll see. Makes sense. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. It's chassis manufacturer Tatus, Tatus, T A T U U S, and uh, Pirelli too. Actually, have a little bit of cash in here as well. Oh God, given the money bag. So they need it for research and development. The expected financial uh, contribution, contribution that driver expected to make to compete in the series uh, is from goes from one hundred fifty thousand euros to a hundred thousand, apparently as well. So. Uh, and plus the benefit is that if teams run drivers, if Freca teams run drivers from F1 Academy, they get an allowed extra car for it. Okay. So Prima will have four drivers in next year. So That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I'm gl- like, good. That's like Freca, like is Freca's manic, but Freca is legit, I think in terms of, uh, you know, obviously, like it's like it's not the greatest spectacle in the world. I'll say that much, but it does go a long way to shaping some of these drivers that we see going through the feeder categories. You're seeing quite a lot, a lot of them in F3 this year that came from Freca. Obviously, and you'll see that again next year as well. The, the progression here is, you know, is is fairly fairly decent. It's a legit FIA championship. It's a tough competitive series. It again, it can be bonkers at times, but that's. That's progression. That's a better step to be in than F1 Academy. So I'm in very interested to see how Garcia gets on next year in Freca. So excellent. And she's doing a good team there too. So can't say she doesn't have the opportunity. Team. Yeah, she's with the best team. So. In Freca, yes. The other good team is to be in with Freca is Race GP. Okay. I think it'll be the no next, next best team. And then probably, uh, I'd say the... Uh, oh shoot ART after that probably I'm going to say surely ART yeah but uh, RHGP and Prima are your best fracker seats so yeah good one for her so there's that right sticking on uh, I was going to say sticking on that side of the pond in America so to speak oh god oh this this was honestly fuck me this was the it sort of came to light. What was it? Tuesday night. I sent you the screenshot of um, a potential rumor that Roman Grosjean was set to take Callum's Isla, Callum Allot's seat in the number seventy-seven Honkos car. We thought, nah. Yeah, nah, and then that's, that's ludicrous. Then the race put out a piece on that day, saying basically from from Jack Benyon, their IndyCar correspondent, saying that Honkos would be absurd. To drop I lost for Grosjean. Now I want to like having worked in sports media, like genuinely speaking, not because you don't want to piss people off, etc. For you don't want to affect your accreditation or how maybe as someone you want to speak to from a team or whatever would view you or 
generally speaking, you don't go too hardcore on your takes and what you write. You try and be objective as best you can. You try not to let opinion sneak in too much. You try and be as fair as you can. And you try not to piss people off, essentially. So for Benyon to write of the absurdity that hung, uh, of the situation that if, for Hunkos to actually drop Eilat, I think spoke a fair amount of volume. Yeah. Yeah. So I just um, want to add that in. So uh, ca- carry on for the ridiculousness of the shit that ended up happening. So the whole idea was that Hunkos had already signed Augustin Calipino, as we mentioned last week, to drive in the second car. Hunkos have got no intentions of running more than two cars. They just expanded to two cars last year. Yeah, they were and waiting for the, the funding car, for Calipino, which eventually came yeah, through. Which came through. They had an option to extend Callum's contract. It wasn't confirmed. Which we were sort of like, right, okay, that's a bit weird, considering he's one of the best drivers on that grid, considering what machinery he's in, and um, has basically driven the team to where they are now, and has literally carried them in in points and got their best results, not Canapino. And for some reason, we went to bed, I think it was. (laughs) Together, yes. Well, of course. Obviously. Right. We went to bed and then woke up and Arlo was gone. I, d- I don't understand how or why we're in this position. Well, I understand why we're in this position because Hong Kong's a twats. Yeah. But um, Callum Arlo is now without an IndyCar drive for 2024. <sighs> Rowan Grosjean has not been confirmed. Not yet, but... As the replacement, but he's probably going to be the replacement because why on earth would you get rid of Arlo to bring in someone like anybody else, really? I, I guess what would have made sense if they got rid of Canapino and kept Calamala, I'd have been fine with that. Makes sense. Canapino can go back to doing current cars or go and do GT in Europe, something like that. It's fine. But no. They got rid of the talented guy with more potential, more links. Doesn't have the sponsors or the backing. Yes, that's Callum's major downfall. Probably what lost him the C in F1. Um, but now... They're going to replace a 24-year-old with potentially a 37-year-old who's probably got one year left in him and he's not going to be committed to your program because he's doing Lamborghini in LMD, yeah. in LMDH next year. So what the fuck is the point uh, in that? Which this... is a, sort of a point that has been missed off by quite a lot of the media outlets, by the way. I don't even know where to begin with this. Like... I, I honestly, I don't think I've been more enraged at a driver move than this. I think the general I, consensus is that everyone knows he's been shafted, which is a start at least. But yeah. we should never be in this situation. Like, there's, if you looked at the two years that Ilot's been in IndyCar, you think of his rookie season. He did a great job. He was so unlucky in the season finale, Laguna Seca, where he started, I think, second. Mm-hmm. He did unbelievable, like especially with the only car in the uh, with Hunkos that year, obviously in, in twenty two. Does the does uh, comes back for the ovals in in twenty three gives them their best Indy car results so far. It was unlucky not to get higher than he was. He even led it for uh, briefly. I mean, oh, I say briefly as in he in, he led the Indy five hundred. I don't care. Like if it, he led the Indy five hundred. I don't I don't give a shit. Like after, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> that's a big tick for anyone. Was by f- definitely the better of the two drivers for Canapino. Canapino's rookie season was solid. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, no, you, you can't. The thing is, you can't fault Canapino here. This is not Canapino's think, fault. There's no, no, absolutely no. Not. The, 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 some of this is 
this is the thing that I don't think is sort of portrayed enough. Um, the relationship between Callum and the team was basically a breaking point anyway because of all the stuff that had gone down with Canapino's fans. And the Fanapinos, as I call them. Yeah, the Fanapinos attacking Callum on social media to the point where he's had to basically make his account private. So you can't tweet at him pretty much because he got that bad. And the team really, really poorly handled how they did that was, and how they responded to it. There was barely any support for him. Like, I, I don't understand what the situation with that was. There was barely any support for him. It was a... The, the fact that he's performing as well as he has, despite all that turmoil, I think he's done an excellent job. Obviously, he was fantastic in the finale uh, as well. But he's just... His potential- we're, not, we're not thinking is we're not biased because he's British or anything like that. There's, no, I, I would be exactly the same for any guy who's been shafted out of this position. If this was Canapino, I'd have been like, right, what the fuck? It's just, I, I, it's just unbelievable. Like, I, he's, it, what he's driven the last two years is arguably better than what Grosjean's driven in these two years. Context dependent, somewhat there, but yeah, the the, the thing is, Grosjean had a top three car, top four car on paper, yeah, and finished behind Callum, basically. Uh, he finished ahead of he finished ahead of Callum this year by thirty three points, which in IndyCar is not that much. I would still say that's behind, considering they had double the data, double probably triple the uh, resources, and didn't have a rookie team. Yeah, not to mention of course that basically the technical scenes behind behind the scenes at Hunco has been like a revolving door, as what's been described. Like people have been in and out, and people have been reassigned, etc. It looks like a really toxic situation, and. In a sense, I'm glad that Eilash is out of it and everyone knows he deserves better. It's rough for him for two reasons. A, right now he's out there, I drive. B, in the time that this has happened, half of the market has taken, has, you know, has gone, has, seats have gone. The McLaren seat is gone. The uh, Ganassi seats are gone. The, what else? The Andretti seats looks like they're going as well. If The, the RLL seat's just gone. Like, yeah, like... Yeah, exactly. Like Pietro, we'll talk about Pietro in a bit, but basically, Eilat's been shafted here between basically AJ Foyt and Dale Coyne. Not awful, but not not great either. But or unless you can convince some sponsors to come in and basically fund the McLaren or Andretti team, that's the only way he gets in. Like unless unless an existing team wants to do basically a Piastri, like to McLaren essentially, where they, a driver that they did not expect to become available on the market is available. And now we're like, right, well, we've got a chance to get Eilat in here. Let's let's do it. But like someone off. Yeah, but I don't know if that's gonna be likely at all. So like Eilat's better than half the Ganassi lineup. Yeah. He's better than Armstrong. He's definitely better than Armstrong. On paper. Without like he's just a fact. He's better he's better than F two by a mile and he's better than IndyCar. It's Oh. And that's with worse machinery. Yeah, like I, I hope I'm sure you could. I'm just, I'm still in a state of shock when it comes to this. It is absolutely ridiculous that we're at this point where, I mean, like, I thought would have been committed for the long run. Like, oh, actually, well, that could be debatable because it did seem like la- next year could have been lots last year before moving yeah. up, deservedly moving yeah. up the grid. But it's not like Grosjean's gonna be here for the long term. Like, I mean, like he's he's 37. He's Grosjean's there to basically rebuild his stock before he pisses off up the grid again. Like, I don't understand. Like, Ric- what Ricardo Huncos has done this season between the how he's handled Ilot and the Canapino stuff, 
and whatever's happening behind the scenes and taking on Grosjean, who is not exactly team-friendly himself. We saw how that relationship soured with Andretti this year. You're going to have, going to have such instability next year, that team. And I I hope they just sink in terms of... I, I root for that team until I learned Ooh. more about what actually happens there in terms of... Yeah, this year has been a sour one in that sense. I really root for them because there's a massive underdog element to them. And yes, I, literally, they were the one of the only teams in IndyCar I actually cared about. Yeah, me too. Just because it's the little man, you're like, yeah, they're doing well. They've got a great driver, and then they've expanded to two cars, and it's all just gone tits up. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand what has gone through their brains and thought, you know what, let's get rid of our best driver and replace him with someone who's going to crash every week and cost us more money. Yeah. So the only. And it's probably going to cause us more PR incidents because we're going to have fiery talks between them and Canop- him and Canapino. Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, it's not like Grosjean is popular on the IndyCar grid with other drivers either. No, definitely not. So I don't know. It's, I think you're inviting a whole bunch of trouble next year and it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I, I I'm ready for love, it. I would love to see how his sweet talked them into getting rid of Arlo. Really love to see it. Now, I can understand Hunkos wanting to get rid of the toxicity within the team. That's fine. But you get rid of the shitter driver out of the two. You get, the yeah, you get rid of the one that has the negative. Like Again, it's not. this is not Canapino's himself. That's, it's no, not no, his no. fault. It's nothing to do with fuck Canapino. Uh, nothing to do with him. But you literally, like, if you wanted to get rid of toxicity, you that's what you would do. But it's, 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 it's how this whole thing's been handled. It's the revolving door behind the scenes and all of that. And the McLaren thing, like Benyon wrote here about it. Uh, this is a bit more hypothetical, but if you believe the rumours, part of McLaren's interest in signing a strategic partnership with Hunkos earlier this month was to keep tabs on Eilat. I think the biggest element of that deal was a very shrewd move by McLaren to exploit the interest in Canopy in South America, especially as it has McLaren- Mexico's Pato Award in its lineup. I'm sure that was the biggest element of that deal rather than having a bit of data on Eilat. Yeah. That's that's if that is true, that is tough. That is that, really that is. is tough. So, look, I I lost. I'm sure if it's if he somehow ends up without a drive in IndyCar next year, I think he'll be back in for 24. There's no doubt about it. So there's ev- if Someone anyone if up. anyone had any set of eyes, then they'll clearly snap him up. And if 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 that's how it goes, if he doesn't go back to IndyCar, it would be the biggest farce I can remember for quite a long time. It's just ridiculous that this situation has even happened. So, look, whether the Andretti decides to take a fourth car, whether McLaren end up taking a fourth car, I I don't know. It's tacky on those, but it's either AJ oh. Foyt or, uh, or uh, Dale Coyne. I, I just hope he drives. If he does get a drive, I just hope he drives Hunkos into the ground. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, it's annoying. And the statement was annoying from Ricardo Huncos when he's like, with mixed feelings. Yeah, you're really sad about replacing Isla with Roman Grosjean. You fucking knob. Like, real sad. We, we, when Grosjean becomes available, we have to do it. We have to sack off a young talent who's the leader of our team. Yeah, that's that's always a good idea. Just, yeah. Utterly ludicrous on all ends, just fucking ridiculous. And I am, I am very upset for Eilat, but I hope he ends up 
better off as a result. But as of right now, as of recording this, he is not because he's not on the grid currently for next year. So we'll see. But it's just, yeah, absolute shambles. Yeah. Shambles. In IndyCar, what a shock. Yeah, well, happier news in the IndyCar driver market like uh, stuff is that uh, Pietro Fittipaldi is going to be on the grid next next year. And that's fantastic. The one, that we, the one that we announced last week. Oh, did we talk about that next week? Yeah. Oh, shoot, yeah. sorry, I didn't realise. Um, what you could say, and to sort of loosely fix this, is that uh, Enzo Fittipaldi could be on the grid next year. <laughs> He has got a test with... I can't remember who it's with. Is it Ed Carpenter? Because I know, no. I, know Christian, I know the Indy Next Champion, Christian, Christian Rasmussen, just got himself a part-time Indy car and see if it with Ed Carpenter racing next year. Yeah, which is ridiculous because team, <laughs> opener, team owner Ed Carpenter wants to do the he, fucking ovals. He does the ovals, yeah. For fuck's sake, honestly. Uh, just, just retire. Just retire. I don't know how old he is. Nearly forty, like <laughs> just just let it be. Uh, just ruin yourself by keep, it's just a waste of time. Let Rasmussen have a go at Indy Five Hundred for fuck's sake. If you're really that desperate, play the game. You know, <laughs> like I, I want to say it's with AJ Foyt that Enzo is testing with. It would make so sense. That, that could make a, a nice team of other the uh, Fittipaldi brothers in IndyCar. That'd be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. And be good to see them racing in the same series. So, that'd be nice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted for Piatro. That's uh, I was. Uh, no, I think I don't think we actually did because it was announced on Sunday. Oh, we recorded Monday, didn't we? We recorded. That's Monday. why it was. Yeah, because it was announced yeah. very quickly. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I remember talking about it. Yeah, but yeah, I'll say it again. Just yeah, very happy for him. That's a excellent spot. Like he deserves it. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, because uh, yeah, we, it kind of segues nicely into what I talk, talk, talk about next because it just moves up Behrman up the order for a Haas, uh, Haas reserve and role. And obviously, it was quite busy in that in that front of things. I want to talk about the junior stuff very quickly, but we'll talk about the FP1 stuff in a sec. But uh, two things uh, Franco Carpinto is making his F2 debut in Abu Dhabi with MP Motorsport, of course, with Deruvla uh, not being in the equation anymore, being in Formula E next year. So, yep, yeah, interesting. Carpinto get a look in here. Uh, we interesting to see. Always interesting when the higher performing F three drivers of the year have a go F two to end the season. Yeah, and then when they are literally on it straight away, then it's even more interesting. Yeah, well, like, when like when he did too. his first year, his first race, it would be fascinating to see how we have got on. They really shafted them by putting one of the medium tire to start a race. Yeah, that was a fortunate was. Anyway, so there's that, and then uh, the one that surprised me was uh, Kush Miney was signed up to the Alpine Academy. Um, now this, it, go, you made a good point. Uh, I'll let you rattle, rattle this one off because I didn't understand it. I, well, I, I still disagree with it, but yeah, make make the case here for Kush Miney. Uh, he's one of the surprises in F2 this year. I just honestly thought he was a pay driver. To my surprise, he's actually done okay. Been the better of the two Campos drivers. Um, which isn't hard considering Ralph Bostrong is basically as much used as a wet paper bag this year. He's um, had injury problems, to be fair. Yeah, I know, I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's he over came two back too years, early. really. Yeah, came back too early, and it's it's messed him up. He's not the same, which is sad to see because Bostrong would have been a perfectly good GT driver, perfectly perfectly fine. Might still be. Um, yeah, it might still be, but he needs a year off, I think, to fully recover hmm. and get himself sorted out. Um, but then 
you've also got to remember that Kushmine is now managed by the one and only Mika Hakkinen. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to know how he pulled the, that off. I have off. no idea. <laughs> I'm guessing he's got big money um, for that, which again, I think has also then led to this Alpine affiliation. Now, I think literally mean, I think it means fuck all. Yeah. But more the point of he gets a better car for F2 next year rather than it being Campos. I think actually Campos has been decent in F2 this year, to be fair. Yeah, yeah there has. It's one of the, one talking, the barriers. It has. But I'm more mean. He moves up the grid to maybe take do and see. Yeah. Whatever. Virtuosi. Pesuosi, yeah. <laughs> Medjuosi, yeah. I agree with you in a sense that Miney was a surprise in some of his performances this year in F2, yeah, coming yeah. from F3, where he didn't do a ton. I just I did nothing. Yeah. I just I don't know what Alpine are expecting or getting out of here. I just don't... Uh, they're, they're getting nothing out of this. I don't... Literally, they're probably getting investment. That's what this is. Maybe. Like, maybe this is probably what it is. Money. He's 23. 23, man. This means nothing. Yeah. He's not getting in there when they've got fucking Dewan coming through, who is their next guy <laughs> in line. None of that means which anything, isn't. though. No, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The, the, the pecking order will be Dewan. And then you've got who else is in the Alpine Academy? You've got Gabriel Mini, who's 17. Martins. Martin, well, in fact, I'd probably say Martins is next in line, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think Martins has got more chance of being in line because of relevancy and in being French. That always and helps. It, it does, in, when you're Alpine anyway, and the fact that Ocon has been linked to the Audi seat of recent weeks, <laughs> um, which is quite funny. Um. And then, I'll, like I just said, you've got Gabriel Mini, and now obviously you've got Kushmani. Mini's conference is saying a three. Kushmani yeah. is basically there to say, oh, look, I drive for Alpine. Yay. Guess the run of colours. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a walking advertisement. Great marketing in India. Yeah, definitely. Sales. I think that's probably a big thing for Alpine. Um, so there's a lot of money in India. Hell of a lot. And they love their cars over there, so... There's always that, and it's it's just good to have an ambassador for the for the company. And, sure, uh, very exciting, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm literally plucking <laughs> at all straws here. And then yeah. you've got the possibility of having Miguel on board. You know, you know what I mean. That's, sure, that's always good. Yeah, look, ultimately, like I think it's always good to remember with Alpine. This is a team that have never, not once, have promoted a young... For all they've invested into the junior categories, I mean, fair play. Like, they've they've sponsored a lot of drivers, but not once has that driver ever made it to F1. And the one that they were going to do in Piastri was only going to do so because Alonso uh, decided... Well, because of... Well, Lauren Rossi didn't want to offer Alonso a multi-year contract, and Alonso looked elsewhere, and Alonso left for Aston Martin. By which point, of course, because Piastri is so pissed off, and rightly so, that... He was going to be shafted into a Williams for two years. Uh, that he, they already done the McLaren deal, and that was it. But that was extraordinary circumstances. Was the only reason Alpine were ever going to p- promote a, a generational talent, almost you could argue, with Piastri. So you know, like it's this is the, this is the thing. Like they've, you know, Joe moved on, Lungard moved on, it Duan will eventually move on as well. This, this is just how it goes. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Duan move over to IndyCar. And then we get stuck where Martins wins F2 and then nothing happens with him. Yeah. Absolutely squat diddly. 
Squat Diddly, which brings us on then to the five rookies or five drivers who took place in FP1 over the weekend. Now, the race ranked their future F1 chances from obviously five to one. So Frederick Vesti, Jack Dewan, Oli Behrman, Isaac Hajar, Teo Porcher. Now, how would you how would you rank these? What would you rank these in terms of uh, future F1 prospects from one to five, from five to one? Who's got the worst to best chance to make it to F1? Uh, Doing's got the worst. They also, yeah. I, I was initially so the race had this as well, and I was initially was surprised by that. But yeah, given what we just talked about, it does make sense. Yeah. Was the Wasser in there? Sorry. No, it's just the five that took place from FE one of the weekend. So Vesti, Porcher, um, Do, and Behrman, Hadjar. Vesti's fourth. Okay, they actually, uh, the race have Hadjar in fourth. See, I disagree with that. Yeah, I, I, I got I more of a too. chance. I think. Mm. Vesti's four for me. Hajar third. Yeah, Vesti's Martin's, third here. second. Uh, not no, not Martin's. Why am I saying Martin's? <laughs> Who else took part? Behrman and Porcher. Oh, Porcher's got no fucking chance. <laughs> Either way, Behrman's got the best chance out of a lot of them. Because Behrman's driven for the team that he's probably going to drive for. Just, yeah. I'm not being funny. It's a matter of when, it's happening. It's not uh, it, it is absolutely happening. Like it's the writing's all over the wall. Like Magnussen is have to be bricking it because it's not been He's good done. enough this year. And this Behrman hype is only the more we see of him, the better. The more like this is only coming to the surface now. We've seen this coming for a while. He's seventeen, man. I think he just turned eighteen. Yeah, must have just turned eighteen, which is ridiculous. And. I don't think he'll win F2 next year. I don't think personally. he even needs to. But like you say, it doesn't matter. I think Gunter has said, we're waiting for a super... The only time we'll change the driver lineup for a young driver is if a superstar comes along. A generational talent. And the only generational talents that I can see coming through in the next three or four years are Kimi Antonelli, um, Victor Martins, and Oliver Behrman. I will, and I've, Martins is a Porsche. Yeah, here's the thing. I think Martins is a better driver right now than Behrman. I, I, that much I yeah, think yeah. is you definitely true. Agree. However, I would rank Behrman's F1 chances higher than than Martins. And I love Martins. I absolutely love him. Um, he is my favorite. He's probably my favorite driver in the junior categories at this moment. Uh, but and I think he's better than Behrman. But yeah, even I cannot you deny. See. I, I'm always I'm on the the Behrman hype. I was on the Behrman well. You have hype. been since F3. Yeah, I was on it before, before that because I was watching. I'd seen the name pop up when I was watching him. Before, <laughs> sorry, before and because of him being Friday affiliated, so you've got to keep your eyes on that kind of thing. And obviously, that has a big like effect on my team of who's going to move out of the way for Behrman when he eventually, or if he does get to Ferrari, things work out. Gonna be great to see an English driver for Ferrari. That'd be yeah. You don't see that too often. You, you don't see that. Who's who's the last one actually? Would you count Eddie Irvine? Yes, you'd have to. Yeah, well, Eddie Irvine then. Yeah, yeah, Unless very you much can't so. Can't call Corn and John Carlos as a color British. <laughs> I particularly don't want no, to. No, do I don't think so. Uh, do what we've already talked about the Hadjar thing is interesting because the comments seem to suggest that he's. As a certainty for F1 at some point in the future. It's certainly, certainly what Franz Toss seems to suggest. Now, the thing with Hajar is 
he was very good in F3 last year. He probably should have won the title. Had he not crashed in qualifying at Monza in the last round, he probably would have won it. That was horrifically costly. Uh, yeah. But he's coming to F2 this year. He's been the last of the Red Bull drivers, the six of them that there are there. So he's been bottom of that. I think he's 14th in the stand. He's behind Crawford even at the moment. And yet somehow has the highest F1 prospect. So I... I they must, I know he's super young, but they must really believe in him. Or he's yeah. got some super money behind him or something like that. I don't, I don't even know it's that, but they definitely seem to believe in him more than any other Red Bull Junior, which I don't understand why. But yeah, so, but I, I have to assume everything's based on next year for Hadjar. So he needs, he needs a monumental step up. If he does, I think there's a great chance to see his. If this is, because definitely, the comments definitely seem to suggest from management uh, that, and including Marco too, by the way. Um, definitely, <laughs> definitely seems to suggest that he is. It's his if he can do anything. Yeah. And again, like we said, we both expected both. We expected both Alphatari's to be available for 2025. Yeah, but definitely if the Aston well, Martin's going the way it is, I guess one of them. Um, yeah, I guess one of them now should be kind of bookmarked for Lawson. Yeah, uh, the, that Alphatari lineup is going to be Lawson Nigel. Unless Assuming, something drastic happens, yeah, or, like uh, Lawson, uh, Hadjar's got to do something here. So, but it seems yeah, like no, he needs the super license points. He needs. To oh, he's oh, he's gonna need a few because he ended up because with how costly that F three crash because he ended up behind Behrman, he um, ended up behind Maloney. Yeah, where did he finish actually? In uh, oh, quickly fourth. Because he was, I think he was second heading into the weekend. He was, he was second for most of the season. Yeah, he finished fourth in the end. Yeah, behind both Maloney and uh, Behrman. So obviously behind Martins. But you think he was eight? How, how does the how does the lowest ranked rebel driver be the one that survives? It's a very strange one. I I'm not quite. I think they're just banking on the fact that he's super young. But anyways, but it's yeah. So I guess we got we got pace younger. I know. We gotta pay extra attention next year, though, to Hajar because it's, it's everything suggesting that if he does anything, he's going to be there in twenty five. So he'll be Wait, one to watch. Hang on a minute. Hmm. Red Bull are tying up with Ford, an American company. Yeah, yeah. Surely the brain cells should be ticking away at the fact that they're partnering up with an American company. And they have a 16 slash 17 year old American driver in their junior categories. Yeah. In their junior ranks. Why is he being binned off? Unless he's not being binned off, then we're we're mistaken. But from what I read, he he was being binned off. So Hadjar is 19 years old. I'm pretty sure Crawford's younger. Crawford's 17. And he's having a better season than Hadjar is currently. Yeah. uh, Crawford's 18. He just turned 18. In, uh, if I can find this, but by the way, Behrman turned eighteen in May, and so did uh, Crawford. Okay, so still though, yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a great point because this Ford tie-up is coming soon. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. You think you'd want the ball rolling to some representation for America if Ford yeah. in there. It's, it's a great point. I one that I hadn't thought about previously because if Crawford does do well next year. Then yeah, absolutely. If like he's on the F two grid. That is, that's the thing. I hope he is because he's he's had like this is also I think this is also his first season F two as well. He's he's got yeah. I think he's got a race win under his belt. It's a sprint win, it but does. he's got a race win it under does. his belt. It was Austria. Yeah, I believe. that might have come at Hajar's expense actually. Now that I think about it. 
I believe it might have been, yeah. If I remember rightly. It was a while ago at this stage, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Hadjar could be very interesting to monitor because, yep, seems like something will be definitely happening there. It should be interesting to watch him and Crawford next year. Uh, I think we can all agree Vesti hasn't got a chance. No, not with Kimmy Antonelli on the rise. No, yeah. It Doesn't this feel like an Ocon-Russell thing? Yeah. Where Ocon is already kind of established as like, the, I guess, technically the higher, the, the highest of the... Mercedes, uh, I guess, uh, reserved, so to speak, and then gets overtaken by the one coming in behind. Mm. So, anyway, so yeah, I'd say Vesties. Mercedes are happy with his development, but uh, yeah, I just don't think there's anything there for, for Vesti. Uh, poor Chair, right. The thing with Poor Chair is there's, there's rumours over the weekend that they're going to try and get him to some form of racing for next year. Where it seems, where it's, or the comments from like Dewins and such were from Dewins seem to suggest that he's going to be on the sidelines again next year, and just being there with the team and such. The concept, the, the feeling with Porsche is he's going to be racing somewhere. But IndyCar, Super Formula, and WEC were rumored. I've now concretely seen that it's going to be they're aiming for a Super Formula. Okay. Which was and that came after what I, what I said to you was. It makes more sense to put him in Super Formula than it does for him to go to IndyCar. It does, yeah. I, I don't see a future for him in F1. I do, based on the conflict that... See, again, I've no idea how Andreas Seidel feels about poor chair. I've, I've no, we've no on-record comments or anything about how Audi view poor chair. I've absolutely not... So, but we know, based on reports, that they were conflicted about next year's lineup with continuing. They decided to retain both of them, but yeah, there is definitely some conflict about it. So there's a chance, maybe, because you could argue both Bottas and Joe could be out the door next year. I think they're both fine. Yeah. Maybe they nice stick Porcher in along with someone they've got earmarked, like a, if Ocon or whatever the case may be, or I don't think science is happening anymore. But So I think it's possible, but... I think he's gone again. Like I tried, like I said to you, I think IndyCar. If he wasn't leaving after a year, because the aim obviously for Porsche is F one, and mm. I don't think a team's going to try and take on an IndyCar Porsche if they know he's leaving very, very soon. Yeah. So I think it makes more sense for a Super Formula where there's less exposure, less pressure, and more of a chance for him to hit the ground and do well in to impress, like Lawson did, mm. and others have performed, like Van Dorn and etc. Yeah. So there is that, and uh, Alfa Romeo uh, boss uh, Aluni Bravi has actually uh, pushed Van Dorn in through himself as well, through Japan as well, when he, that when that situation was happening. Okay. So I suspect we'll see Porcher of Super Formula next year. And then, yeah, the Behrman thing very quickly. Uh, they seemed very impressed with him. Uh, he was 15th in free practice, which was good. Uh, oh, by the way, just so unfortunate for Porcher, he didn't get a single lap in the FP1. Yeah, that's great. The oh. typical off so Yeah, a break by wire issue, and they had to change the gearbox. Uh, Behrman seemed to very much impress. He seemed to believe that he could definitely compete in F1 after the practice run. So, again, this momentum is not going to stop. Yeah. I'm very much on board with this. Yeah, so. I do genuinely see it as an inevitability. Yeah, it's a matter of if rather than a uh, matter of when rather than if. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. And Magnussen is in big trouble. So. Anyways, uh, let's three preview the Brazilian Grand Prix mm-hmm. before we uh, wrap up uh, very quickly. So 
it's a sprint weekend, of course. We know that. It's the only sprint that's endured three seasons <laughs> this has happened. So again, one practice session for it to go down. We'll see who get again, so it all comes down to pressure, who gets this right. Uh, again, I don't expect this task code to be shaken up too much. I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about McLaren's prospects of this track. I, I think they'll do all right there, actually. There's a few mid to lower speed corners, isn't there, around the space in the infield section. So that it, might... It, I think this will be the biggest test for them. For a whole package, anyway, mm. to make if it, it's just not a track specifically, they've just got a good car in general. You'd have to imagine this should favor Mercedes quite a bit. I think that was be... second, yes. I don't know. I, I, I know I said last weekend for this race, but I, I feel a lot more confident by saying they can have a good shot here against uh, Red Bull here. And like, obviously, they, they won this race on, on merit last year. Again, it was a a higher it was a longer developed car again just exactly like this year is but if the point still stands like it you know we, we are where we were 12 months ago and i think there's a good chance that they could take it to them yeah no i, I agree i was i was just making the point of think they'll easily be cycling oh yeah definitely absolutely yeah easy and i think it'll be very close to red bull but i don't think it'll be enough okay but we'll see i guess i i, I think it's going to be super super close but hamilton well qualified will be definitely yeah, yeah. The, the, this is the thing. I think Hamilton's form at the minute, I think it might be a bit too much to say you can rule out, you can't rule out a win here. It's like if, if someone's going to win for Merck, it'll be Hamilton. You have, you have thought that last that year. Still, yeah, you yeah, would have thought that last year, but George was the one to do it. So, But based off after finishing 33 seconds behind your teammate in Mexico, you automatically assume. Yeah. Yeah, it's not I, I don't. I wouldn't back Russell's chance against Hamilton uh, into this weekend. But again, this will be the one where he turns it around and wins. So who knows? Um, yeah. I do expect the pecking order to be somewhat Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari slash McLaren. Interesting how that kind of dynamic faces. Uh, Ferrari will be last out of them. You reckon? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it, again, it comes back to the same point. And do I even have to say it? <laughs> Tire wear. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, Ferrari have got great qualifying pace. It just doesn't manifest into anything more. Mm. Obviously, a big, weekend, a big weekend for Aston Martin to cobble anything together. If... I, I, don't, I don't think it is. No? Really really disagree. I think, honestly, their season's just test sessions now. I think they've come to the acceptance of it. Yeah. And I was just looking at the uh, points table, and there's a real possibility that Alonso drops down to eighth. God. Because oh, he's God. got, he's on now level with Carlos signs on 183. Um, yeah, Russell and Nath is on 151, so he's 32 points behind. Bearing in mind, if Russell wins the race, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know we've got we've got a sprint to come. We've got three main races and a sprint, so. There's a lot of points on offer. I would be very... I, it wouldn't surprise me if Alonso drops down to at least sixth, maybe seventh. Russell might be a bit much, but I think I can see him finishing seventh. That would be rough. He was in That'd third be... for a lot, a lot of the season, if not Seven second. Podiums. Yeah. Seven podiums. Yeah, Russell has one podium. Sainz has one, two podiums. Two podiums now, yeah. Leclerc has what, Four? four? Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Oof, we'll see. We'll see how they get on. Uh, I'm fascinated to see this Williams Alfatari thing. G get me well yep. on board for yep. this. So, so, and I think Williams should, in theory, have a, de a decent chance with some of the, again, it's 
very straight line dependent stuff in sector one and three. So in theory, there's a chance for them to be quite strong here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Aftari obviously look for great, and there's a they can establish they can firmly establish themselves in eight for the constructors and see how close they can get to Williams. It's again, see how Ricardo follows on his performance. Yeah, and a bounce back for Yuki would be good to see as well. Other than that, I mean, do I care about Alpine? No. Um, Haas are kind of done, although I'd be interested to see if Hulkenberg can work some, work, work some sprint magic. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, Alfa Romeo, I don't care. <laughs> wow. Shock of shocks. So, uh, is there anything, other, any other angle you want to approach this from? Or be it setup-wise, and like one practice session, or the sprint, or... I, I think you can go very wrong. Definitely. And I want to say it's going to go very wrong for someone. Probably Aston. Well, it always does. Like It's just the nature of it. I think yeah. we'll be seeing more pit lane starts, uh, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised McLaren didn't take a new PU for, Lon- for Lando, to be honest. I could just could be ready to cost cap, really. This stage is yeah, it could be, to be fair. Can't just... Whoever Stop is just take a new power, you know, yeah. when it comes games. If you someone is, is taking like completely new components, it means they've got some decent wiggle room left. Hint Alpha Terry, maybe, but so somehow, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, the weather we don't know what the conditions are going to be like, but obviously, it could play a factor. Just be dry. We don't need any more wet races. <laughs> we've had enough wet races this year. We don't even get wet races really because we have to red flag it if it come, becomes full wet. Oh, it's too much of a puddle down at turn two. Yeah. Well, the puddles do gather quite extreme down there. It's been it's, it's interesting moments in recent, or not recent races, but past races, like twelve. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, yeah. Right, predictions for the Brazilian Grand Prix. I don't care for the sprint, really, so... Um, but go nuts if you want to predict a sprint. Uh, sprint won by Lewis Hamilton. Um, oh, okay. Race won by Max. Hard to argue against. I will again go for the Hamilton victory. Uh, and I'll go for the Verstappen P2. Of course, these two clashed here last year, of course. Yes, they did, yeah. Uh, and I think Verstappen got the penalty for us, which I remember being surprised by. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Verstappen... Or sorry, Hamilton, Verstappen, and... Oh, yeah, Norris, probably. I'll go Max Lewis, George. Yeah, see, I thought about it, but I, I'm not confident in Russell at the moment. Some of that momentum has kind of slipped away. So it I'm, has. I just think the car would be too good not to be there. Maybe, maybe. Um, Lando Perez. Okay, well, well, that's the highest you've been on Perez for going, a while. I'm only going on that fact. It is the fact that Ferrari won't be anywhere near that, and it's Oscar's first time at Sao Paulo. True. True. So that was that was my reasoning. Uh, I'll stick Leclerc in fourth ahead of Sainz. Uh, that's yeah, optimistic. I, see, I'm I'm higher on Ferrari's prospects here than you are. I'm not just because of the nature of the track and McLaren and Mercedes sort of being a bit quicker than us in race trim. So yeah, that's fair. The 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 Ferrari thing, I think, like you look at some of the tracks, like uh, Ferrari went quite well. They've got, they've got they've been, ever since this update came this I think in was Japan or Singapore yeah they've been a lot better it's been nice because like the races uh, tech podcast was talking about how they've they had to have artificial understeer into the car oh. and then when, since the uh, one of the two artificial understeer or oversteer one of the two and since the update they've been able to take that away 
So, which has been part of the correlation as to why Leclerc has been much more like himself ever since the update compared <laughs> to races like Zanfors and etc where he wasn't quite on it but yeah I thought that was funny <laughs> well. but yeah um, anything else to add? no I, is there anything else coming through on a no penalty for Leclerc um, oh that confirmed? Nice. yeah yeah that'll be it really that's, that's about it so. yeah. that was the only thing hanging over but yeah yeah uh, there you go that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback 401 podcast I've been Graham I've been no penalty for the clerk game yeah happy days guess to keep his podium for a change and yeah. uh, we shall see you next week goodbye